This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Travis Bronner. We're continuing our series, Hope for Broken Hearts. And uh, today, I'll just be honest with you, is a tough one. Um, It's hard for a lot of reasons. Uh, We're talking about when your loved one dies. And um, as, as Mandy said, pretty much all of us have an example that we can think of of someone we've lost. And so this is something that has touched a lot of people. And um, already today, we're just seeing the Lord move in so many ways um, and uh, a, lot, a lot of emotions this morning. And so um, we say, uh, just um, lean into that as we talk through that this morning. First off, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we believe, some of the things we don't believe, because when it comes to death, we can get some really strange theology that comes in. It can try to find its way in. And so we're going to be very, uh, very clear as we, uh, as we define some terms and, and know what it is that we believe. And that's uh, really important, and I'll explain why. Does uh, anyone else besides me easily get motion sick? Okay, and there are a lot of different things that those that get motion sick uh, make you motion sick, right? For me, it can be in a car, uh, any car motion sick, okay? How many, it's the driver's fault, okay? And they're sitting next to you. (laughs) Some on a boat, uh, some in different situations. And for me, this is the big one, roller coasters. Ugh, who cheered? No. Um... So I, I, get, I get easily motion sick and, um, you know, so in a car on a boat and Lord forbid I get on a roller coaster and something possessed me recently, I'm pretty sure it was an agent of the devil, <laughs> to get on a roller coaster and um, I hated every minute of it. And when we're, we're done and we're getting off, the friends that we were with were like, ah, that was awesome, that was so cool. Whoa, you don't look so good. <laughs> And, and my reaction was, I bet I don't. <laughs> and don't talk to me right now, because I can only focus on one thing. And that is the funnel cake that is still in my stomach. <laughs> Smart, right? Motion sick, eat a funnel cake, get on a roller coaster. It was safe, it stayed down, don't worry, it turned out okay. But uh, there's a reason that we get motion sick. There are three inputs to our brain from our body telling us where we are in space and whether we're moving or not. They are the the eyes, the inner ears, and something called proprioception. The eyes um, sees everything within our visual field. And if something moves from position to position within our visual field, it means that either it is moving or I'm moving. And then the inner ears that has three uh, chambers, uh, three channels and then chambers that tell us whether we're accelerating, decelerating, going up, going down, or rotational movement as well. Um, And then we have proprioception, and that's simply pressure and tension receptors in the tissues of our body that communicate to the brain. For instance, if I'm leaning on my right foot, there's more pressure on my foot, my ankle, my, my knee, and my hip than the left side telling my brain I must be leaning to the right. And the brain is fine with all of that as long as they are consistent inputs. As long as those inputs are all consistent, the brain is okay. But what happens is sometimes those inputs are inconsistent, and it throws things off. One example, if you're sitting in in your car in a parking lot, and you're looking down at your phone, you're in park, and the car next to you backs out, right? 
right? <laughs> it makes you look really weird. Your inner ears and your proprioceptors are telling you you're sitting still, but suddenly when that car moves, it tells your brain you're moving, and you suddenly are pushing the gas, you're in park, right? So that's one way you can have inconsistent inputs. Who gets car sick? The back of the car is worse, isn't it? Right? That's why you want the front seat. Reason being, in the back of the car, most of your visual field isn't moving as you're moving. So your eyes are telling your brain you're not moving because the front seats are moving with you, where your inner ears and your proprioceptors are feeling every acceleration, every deceleration, every hill, every turn, inconsistent inputs, and you get that nauseated feeling, you get that headache, and it's your brain sending an unpleasant sensation to tell you this is a bad situation, you need to get out of it, because clearly it's not safe. <laughs> like that, right? Halfway down that roller coaster, my brain was sending me all kinds of signals. This is not good, right? So that's how we get motion sick. Now, how does this apply to when you lose your loved one? It's, it does. Reason being, we can, if we're not careful, suffer from spiritual motion sickness. We're going to talk about what we believe, some of the things we don't believe, and the reason that's important as long as our inputs, our theological inputs about what we believe as it pertains to death and heaven and hell, we get from Scripture, and as long as they're consistent, we can process that, and we can understand, and we can process through hope and grieving and all of these things. But when we start to let inconsistent inputs, bad theology come in, we can start to suffer from spiritual motion sickness. First passage we're going to go to this morning is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or watch it on the screen or on your Bible app. We're going to spend a lot of time in the Corinthians, First and 2 Corinthians, and, and Paul really in these two letters addresses this issue a lot about our condition as human beings and what, about what our future holds as followers of Christ. Just before this passage, he talks about that we are jars of clay, that we are vessels that contain a treasure, which is the gospel, and that these vessels are afflicted and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. And then he starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You've heard me from here talk about our three-part being, that we have our body, which is our physical self, that which can be seen and touched, uh, and our inner self, which is soul and spirit which cannot be seen, but the effects of which can be seen through the body. And so we understand our outer self, our body is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That affliction that he talked about in the vessels of clay, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, all of these things are a process doing what? Preparing us for what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, the physical body can be seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We've all had our loss of loved ones. And we have um, our specific examples, um, grandparents, parents, maybe siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, children, our own children even, and some of us, even a spouse that you've been married to, maybe a short time, some over 60, 70 years. We all have um, our story like Mandy has. And some of us, many stories of a lot of loss. And um, the ones that are, um, that are most fresh on my mind are from a few years ago when my dear friend Mark, um, 
Mark got brain cancer and passed away within a year. And Mark knew the Lord. And uh, a short time after Mark got his diagnosis, one of Mark and my friends, Kim, was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And so within about a year of one another, Mark and Kim passed away, both in the Lord, both in glory. And I'm grateful for that. But each one of us has that story. And it hurts, it's confusing, it's frustrating, it's saddening. There's so many emotions that go along with it. And the thing we're going to keep coming back to today is that it's all about eternal perspective. It's all about our eternity future. Because you see, each one of us has an eternity future. God exists in eternity past and eternity future. Each human being from the moment of conception exists into eternity future. The things that are unseen are eternal. This is transient. Our earthly bodies are transient. But we have an eternal future. So we have to answer the question then, what happens when we die? Because we know that this is transient, what happens beyond death? And why does that happen? And so for that, we kind of have to refer to our Theology 101, our basic essential beliefs about God, about creation, mankind, sin, salvation, eternity, heaven, hell, all of these things. And so I'm going to cover that briefly um, that we talk about a lot. And we know that God, who is holy and righteous, has always existed and created mankind. And when he created mankind, he offered the option to mankind of sin versus unrighteousness. Mankind chose sin, and with that, there was a consequence, a death consequence. Two types of death. One is that we will perish physically. There will be a physical death that will go along with that. But number two, and more important, is a spiritual death. And that spiritual death is separation from God, because you see, sin and unrighteousness cannot be in the presence of a holy God. And so we have this sin condition that we're all in, that we're born into, because of the original sin. By one man, sin entered the world. But then, by one man, salvation came. God sent his son Christ, Jesus Christ, who was co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So therefore, God sent himself as a living sacrifice, fully human, fully God, to live a perfect, sinless life and die a sinner's death so that his sacrifice could be atonement for our sins. He rose again to prove once and for all that he is God, that he is the Savior. Now, if any man professes, uh, that they uh, are sinful, acknowledge that we have sin in our life, that we have a sin condition that needs atoned for, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for our sins and rose again. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, then we will be saved. Saved from that spiritual death, separation from God. Then moving forward, the physical death was not taken away. We still die a physical death, but Again, more important is the spiritual death because, you see, what happens after we die depends on whether we have received that salvation and, and because of Christ can be deemed holy and righteous through Christ and can therefore be in the presence with God. So in eternity, after we die physically, we are either in, he in heaven with God if we have been saved and that, that separation has been removed or if not, in hell, separated from God for eternity after we die physically. Very simply, right? And I want to be very clear with what we're talking about then moving forward about the promises we have in Scripture are for those who have placed faith in Christ, faith alone in Christ alone, 
have received salvation from that separation, that spiritual death um, that comes because of a sin condition. And so for those that have placed faith in Christ, there's kind of a three-step process that takes place when we receive Christ. It is justification, sanctification, and glorification. First is justification. This is justification for the sin. God is loving and he is also just. And his wrath was poured out on Christ on the cross on behalf of us. And that's what's called propitiation. So his wrath was satisfied. We are justified from that. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means guilty and worthy of punishment. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's justification. Sanctification is the process of being made holy. And so this, after justification, um, there are kind of two uh, sanctifications that take place. One is called positional sanctification, which means we are made holy in the eyes of the Lord through Christ. That is a position that we take on. But the other is progressive sanctification. That's us maturing in our faith, growing in Christ-like character, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. That's progressive sanctification. And that is where we read, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That inner self is being sanctified, growing more like Christ. And then there is glorification, which is the big one that we're talking about today. And Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. You see, at creation, we were in communion with God and in direct relationship with God. Sin separated us. And until our physical death happens, we are here, but our citizenship is in heaven where mankind originally was with God. And from it, we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, get this, transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Isn't that neat to think about? That our, our physical body will be transformed in such a way to be like the resurrected body of Christ by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So in other words, God is omnipotent, he has all power, and he can take our broken bodies and make them glorified once again. This is the condition that we look forward to when we talk about the, a, a better place, right? No more suffering. This is the, the condition in the absence of sin altogether. It's a condition of no disease, no suffering, no pain, no disability, no depression, no anxiety, no injury. No frustration, no disappointment, no cancer, no heart disease. By the way, fill, fill in the blanks here with whatever your loved one has passed away from. None of that. No stroke, no jealousy, because we, we here suffer from emotional disability as well, right? With the many things that we deal with, bitterness, resentment, and on and on. That is the condition of glorification. That is the glory that awaits us, those who have placed faith in Christ. And that third step takes place at our physical death where we receive glorification, where our body is transformed. This seems kind of academic, and you may think, okay, this is nice for someone to study in a Bible study that really wants to learn more about these things. But I would say that this is pivotal. This is extremely important for what we're talking about, hope for broken hearts when your loved one dies. And why is that? It's because that promised glory is what gives us hope. Because without promised glory, we have no hope. Without resurrection, we have no hope. Paul puts it that way, too. If there is no resurrection, then our faith is in vain. But promised glory, resurrection, transformation of the believer is what gives us hope. We read an eternal weight of glory 
beyond all comparison. There's that word again, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We talk about it, what that condition's gonna be like, but it's beyond all comparison. We can't understand it. Like so many things that we can't understand, glory is one of them. We can talk about it, but it is beyond all comparison. Paul uses the illustration of a seed when talking about this process, uh, that a seed in and of itself is, is basically a dead thing. There, there's really no life to it, and a process has to take place. That seed has to be buried so that it can be transformed into something different. You see that? Death is hard. That's why this morning, this conversation is hard. That's why funerals are hard. That's why coming around people who have lost loved ones is hard. Death is hard, no doubt about it. But what Paul is, is describing here is a process that is necessary. So in the same way, we have this hope in glory that we will receive. In order to receive that glory, we must, there must be a death that takes place. And that's the only way. Justification, sanctification, glorification, what happens when? When a death takes place. And it's much like the symbolism of baptism, that when someone who is dead in their transgressions uh, places faith in Christ and they become a new creation. And, and, and in the, the symbolism where, where in the ceremony someone is dunked underwater, they, they are dead in Christ. They are raised to walk in newness of life. Because you see, even in that justification process, guess what? A death had to take place. Not a physical death, but a death to oneself. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In, in order for a transformation to take place, there must be a death. It is hard, but that is the hope that we have, that on the other side is glory. Our natural body will be raised as an eternal spiritual body. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 53 through 57, uh, another place that Paul really, uh, really gets particular about the details of this. says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. I'm 45, and my body is continuing to send me signals that it is, in fact, perishable. Can anyone relate? Um, I, I now daily... Uh, take inventory of the status of my knee and my back within five minutes of getting up. And uh, so, you know, as my knee, how's my knee? Okay, it's good. Back, pretty good. Okay, bring on the day, right? I, I have not reached the point yet where I take, take uh, inventory of the status of my bowels. Um, uh, nor share that status with anyone that'll listen. But from experience, I can see that that day is coming. Um, he goes on, this mortal body, the imperishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. That means that something that can die must put on something that cannot die. Our spiritual eternal body cannot die, must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Just before this passage, Paul points out that death is the final enemy to be destroyed. You see, it's, it's the last tool in the devil's toolbox. It is, he has many schemes, and he has his agents, the demons, carrying out these schemes. It's the last thing that he has. And look at this next, this next verse, verse 55. It, it, after the devil throws everything he can at you, and then he throws death at you, death is swallowed up in victory. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
that's a trash-talking verse. I don't know if you picked that up or not. That's like once you die, it's, is that all you got, right? For those that are in Christ. Because guess what? My body's transformed. I'm in glory now. Our loved ones who are in Christ are transformed. They're in glory now. That is a hope that we can have. Is that the best you got? Oh, death, where is your victory? The sting of, of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What happens when we die? For those that are in Christ, we put on the imperishable. We put on immortality. And death has no sting. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes about what we don't believe. Like I said before, this is something that we need to make clear. There are a couple of things I'm going to address specifically. And um, you may even say this sounds mean. You can say it sounds grumpy or inconsiderate or why does it matter? Uh, but it does, and I'll explain why. Number one is we don't become angels when we die. We don't get wings and become angels when we die. Uh, nor uh, are our loved ones that have passed before us looking down on us or with us in spirit. And these are good things that these don't happen. Okay, let me explain that. Angels are different beings from humans. And humans are different beings from angels, and we don't cross over. They're both created by God, but angels, in fact, are doing battle. Spiritual battle, spiritual warfare that is taking place. And the last thing I want for a loved one who has passed is to be participating in battle. I want them to experience and enjoy that glory that they're in. Angels also experience different emotions that can be stressful and saddening. We understand that angels mourn. So see, I don't want my loved one to be an angel. I want them to experience glory. Loved ones, don't look down on us in our current situation. They're not with us in spirit. Um, and the reason that's important is because if we believe that a loved one is in glory, then they are there in the absence of sin. Sin is present in our uh, situation. Our loved ones aren't watching what's going on with us experiencing the consequences of sin and the condition of sin. Specifically speaking, my friend Mark died in uh, October of 2019. Remember what 2020 looked like? I praise my father in heaven. Mark didn't have to, to watch what was going on in 2020. It was some of the lowest of humanity, right? With sickness and, and rioting and political outrage and fighting. It was just some of our worst experience. And I'm grateful that Mark didn't have to witness that. We don't want our loved ones experiencing our difficulty with us. And so, therefore, we have to be careful to avoid spiritual motion sickness. As we talk about what we believe and what we don't believe, we stand firm in what we believe. Because if we start getting inconsistent inputs, Mark is in glory, and yet he's experiencing and witnessing sin, that can cause confusion. It can cause spiritual headache. It can cause spiritual nausea. It can give us difficulty in processing and having hope and working through our grief. Now, as we talk about that our loved ones are in glory, that's wonderful for them. And we're very, we're very happy and we have hope in that. But where does that leave us who remain, who are still here on earth in our sin condition, right? Uh, saved from the consequences of sin and being sanctified. But where does that leave us? Well, in medical school, you have to memorize a lot of things, uh, you can imagine. And uh, one of the ways, uh, the tools that we use uh, to memorize things is mnemonics and acronyms. 
And that is little poems or sayings or abbreviations that help you remember lists of things. And I remember a lot of mnemonics and acronyms uh, from school. And, and that's not limited to medicine, because you use that in all different types of academics, right? To, the ways of memorizing things. And, and one of the ones that stood out to me the most was uh, something we called DABDA. D-A-B-D-A. DABDA. And uh, it kind of has a ring to it, right? DABDA. But then DABDA is stages of grief. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Ted mentioned it last week. Um, when he talked about uh, when a marriage ends, and the reason that it applies to that is the reason it applies to everywhere there is a loss, because there is a process that we generally go through when we experience loss, the stages of grief. And so we're going to drill down on this uh, in detail a little bit today as we talk about the loss of a loved one. And so first, I'm just going to give you these stages. This is the acronym D-A-B-D-A, and they are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These are generally the five stages that we go through when we experience loss. And I think this is important. It can help us understand maybe while we're feeling how we feel, while we're saying the things that we're saying, and while we act the way that we act. And also to help us as we understand others who are mourning the loss of a loved one. Everyone moves through these stages at a different rate, generally speaking. Um, and there are different variables that will determine how quickly you move through. In other words, if there's a distant cousin that you've lost, you may move through this very quickly, but if it's a spouse of 40 years, it's going to take time. And you may spend different amounts of time in each stage. For instance, you may spend very little time in anger, but a lot of time in depression. And this is not hard and fast as far as this, this order goes. Sometimes we can jump around within this list in these stages. So it's not necessarily linear. And then once the grieving is complete, we may flash back. Some of you have experienced this very strongly, that after you've moved through all of the stages, you may find yourself angry at some point about the loss, which can be confusing. You may find yourself depressed again about the loss. It generally is going to take around a year. This is just an average. Again, everyone's different under different situations. Generally around a year. I think, I believe that uh, that is in part because of the firsts that you experience the first anniversary, the first Christmas, the first birthday. As the year goes by and the loved one's not there. And so everyone is different as they proceed through this. And the thing I want you to hear is that grieving is normal. As we talk about this, grieving is normal. And um, don't tell yourself and don't let anyone else tell you that follower of Jesus, your loved one is in glory, you shouldn't be sad. Grieving is a normal process. It's a healthy process. And you need to know that. First is denial. Um, this isn't refusing to believe something, like we deny something, but this is more like this doesn't seem real. And when you've lost a loved one, you, rem you remember that. How it's just, it's just weird. It's almost like a dream. This doesn't seem real. And that's the denial stage. This is uh, generally when we participate in funerals and memorial services. Um, this is when our friends and family come around. Uh, and it's important for that uh, to, to give some common ground and some stability to someone who is in this stage. And, and we read in Romans uh, twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And we talk about that a lot here at Woodland Hills, and that's for a reason because it's important to come around those who are in this stage uh, to help give them stability in this time. Next is anger. 
And this can be uh, anger at many different levels and about different things. You may be just simply angry about the circumstances. You may be angry um, even at other people, especially if someone contributed to the loss of your loved one. You can find yourself angry. You may even find yourself angry at God. How, how can God let this happen? God, how can you take him or her from me? How can this be? And just as grieving is normal, anger is normal. Don't convince yourself that anger in and of itself is a sin, but settling in your anger is not normal and is a sin. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. A lot of people will use this verse to say that you have to finish an argument with your spouse before you go to bed. Um, <laughs> I got to say, there would have been many uh, days on end that my wife and I, uh, if we stuck to that, um, would have been awake. And also, uh, just so happens, <laughs> under this, literally, you have more time to argue in the summer than you do in the winter if it's the sun. <clears throat> so save your big arguments for the summer. What this verse is saying, don't settle in your anger. It's not sinful to be angry, even angry at God. That can be a normal emotion that you feel. Don't settle in that. Don't let the sun go down on it. Don't let that be how you settle in your emotions. Next is bargaining. Um, we can find ourselves talking to God saying, Lord, please don't take anyone else from me. Um, a couple years ago, this is where I spent a lot of time after Mark and then Kim, and I found myself looking around, honestly, like who, who's next, right? If you've lost uh, several in succession before, you know what I mean. It's like, how, how can this go on? And you'll find yourself bargaining, saying, Lord, haven't I suffered enough? Read the book of Job, right? He says, haven't I suffered enough? And that bargaining, what we're doing is trying to regain control because we can feel out of control when we lose a loved one. And what we have to remember is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign, which means that he is in control. Um, and that can be confusing, how God is in control and yet my loved one dies. And that's when we have to remember every single one of us is going to die. Every single one of our loved ones is going to die. It's the, the where, what, and how that we just don't know. And God is sovereign in all of that. But we also know that he is gracious and that there is glory on the other side of death for all who will profess Christ and claim Christ. Um, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Um, this is the sovereignty of God. And I think we need to be careful with this verse um, because um, those of us sharing it with others who have lost a loved one, uh, be careful about when and even if you use this verse, because someone in the anger or the denial stage, this can actually be quite damaging to tell them if they're angry at God, this is going to work out. God has this, right? Um, this, I believe, is more of a self-reassurance verse uh, that we need to lean into. Depression, this one doesn't need much explanation. Um, this is when you reach back out to those that were at the funeral, your close friends and family, because they were there for you then and they're there for you now. The problem is it may have been six months since you lost your loved one, and um, you're in a grieving stage that they are not. 
um, and they need to know that you're hurting. Reach out to loved ones. Psalm 23.4 is how we reach out to God, just like Mandy encouraged us to. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is with me. Think, look, valley of the shadow of death. You see the darkness there? The valley, the lowest low. The shadow, the darkness that's, that's there with it. Uh, of death, you are with me. And for those that spend maybe six months in this stage that start to feel physical symptoms from this, and especially if you start to experience suicidal thoughts, we want to encourage you, seek professional help. Uh, find a Christian counselor that can walk through that with you as it could become a clinical depression that, that you need professional help with. And the last is acceptance. And all I'll say about this is don't be guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about moving to the acceptance stage because it is normal. It's not inconsiderate to the, to the one that you've lost. It's not insincere. It's not inconsiderate or insincere to those around you that are still grieving. It's okay to move into the acceptance stage. And in all of these stages, we wanna encourage you, we have a ministry here at Woodland Hills called Grief Share that uh, helps those who are experiencing loss to work through this grieving process. And it is filled with those who have worked through the grieving process, who have experienced acceptance um, and are able to help uh, you in that situation. We encourage you, they're in week three of 11, but it's not like you've missed out. You can jump right in and participate in that group. Uh, they meet on Wednesday nights and you can find information on the, uh, the, app, uh, the, the um, app or online at woodhills.org. And so we encourage you to participate in that. And then as we close, um, remember that DABDA is normal. Grieving is a normal thing, and uh, it's gonna be different for everybody. And there are two particular situations, though, that I want to address, just to answer questions that you may have. One is, what about children who have passed? Um, we believe that God will not hold a child accountable to that which they are not capable of understanding. And you may have uh, grown up hearing about an age of accountability uh, we don't believe there's an age. We believe there is accountability. And a, and a child or any person has to understand their sin condition, understand that Christ is the only way to salvation, and profess Christ and claim uh, that salvation. That's why God said we should have faith like a child. A child's faith is unencumbered, isn't it? Jesus said, let the children come to me. And then for those who have lost ones who are unsaved, talk about a hard subject. But I want to... I want to encourage you to beware the temptation to subject yourself to spiritual motion sickness because that's where things can get real muddy. When we start to try to convince our things, con convince ourselves of things that simply aren't true. Um, I, I had an uncle, Russ. Who spent decades running from the Lord, even though he had heard many times about the Lord. Uh, from my mom and my dad, and uh, he, at age 46, was sitting in a sports bar getting ready for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And even though mom and dad, for years and years, had presented the gospel to him, showed him the life of Christ, um, some guy sitting next to him at a bar told him about Jesus, and he received Christ. And Russ died six years later in his sleep from a heart attack. Praise the Lord that he had received Christ. But the point I want to make is, if Russ had never received Christ, all that mom and dad could have done 
has shared the gospel with him and shown him who Christ was. You are not responsible for saving people. That's what God does. And if you have lost someone who has rejected Christ, has um, spent their life running away from Christ, never received salvation, it hurts. And the hope that you can have is that one day you will no longer mourn. The pain of loss won't follow you to heaven. And that's the hope that we have. Our prayer team is going to be down front here. If you are grieving a loss, we encourage you to meet with them. Pray with them about your loss. Um, get plugged in. Um, let this church lift you up in prayer and come around you, regardless of what stage you're in. Some of you um, are preparing to go through a loss, and we know that through hospice and end-of-life issues, um, you may have already started that process, and I would encourage you to lean in for that as well. And then finally, for those that have not placed faith in Christ, would today be the day that you acknowledge that uh, you have a sin condition, that you need a Savior, that you want an eternal future in the presence of God, um, and that you can experience that transformative glory that we can all experience through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for the gift of glory that uh, is on the other side of this earth, uh, Lord, in heaven, uh, for those that place faith in you. We pray that hearts would be softened to receive you. We pray that those um, who do know you would share you bold, boldly, Lord, and that uh, lives will be changed, lives will be saved. We pray for those that are grieving, uh, that they would find comfort in their grief uh, here among their church family. We love you and we give you praise in Christ's name. And everyone agreed and said, amen. amen.